Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello everyone, this is Lori Lee Rourke and the It's Not About Food podcast. Today on the Body Love Cards, we're going to be talking about truth. And the image of the card in the front is of the goddess holding on to her little deer power animal and she's sitting on top of a mountain with a lot of different peaks around her, so valleys and peaks and earth. So the truth card says, truth is our own internal wisdom that defines who we are. Finding our own truth means figuring out the difference between what we've been told we should do and be versus who we really are. Oftentimes in the past, our true feelings, passions, opinions, and experiences were ignored, rejected, or just not encouraged. When we can relearn to identify what our own truth is, we will be able to put into action what our heart and soul desires. And I think about, for me, learning to be okay with my own truth was a huge shift away from the family that I was born into, where the truth was whatever the church said the truth was, or the adults in my life said the truth was, or just what was around me, but not to check within my little self, my little body, mind, and spirit, and see what the truth was. I just didn't have a language for that. I didn't even know it was possible. I had no clue that that was something to even do. And if I by mistake, did it, I would think it was wrong, that I shouldn't listen to me because I am not as good as the church, the society, and the adults in my life. So very convoluted, and it took a long time to be able to trust and have faith in myself, especially in my body, the wisdom of my body. That was not even a concept that I even had or the truth of myself, my inner voice. I just didn't even really realize that was even there for me to pull upon. I just kind of thought that I was, I don't know, just like a little ship on the ocean and just went wherever I was supposed to go, I thought. And then I had no idea about truth being my own internal wisdom. Just didn't have that. So as I started to recover, And then also to sort of claim my own truth. It felt very bumpy because I didn't have much faith or trust in me. I wasn't taught to have faith and trust in me. And uh, it felt very schizophrenic in a way. You know, I just would like think of something and say, oh, that's, that is really good. That's how I believe. And then I think, oh, I should not believe that way because that's not how I think other women believe or behave. Anyway, so I am so glad to have my guest here who picked this card, not only picked the card, but I feel 
has lived her truth in especially these last few years, but probably all your life, you know, really, I think of you as that. And I'm going to let her talk about herself and who she is and introduce herself and what she's doing. And then we'll have a talk about how to get there. If you aren't there, how to get there. And once you are there, how to keep it. (laughs) So I'll turn this over to you, Kim. Well, thank you, Laura Lee, first for having me. And I, I think I mentioned to you in a previous conversation, over the last 10 years, I've really been searching for a way that I could just at least help somehow or contribute somehow or send a message or even if it's just one little thing, because the journey that I went through with you and those amazing women that I met with every week literally changed my life. So first, yes, I want to say thank you so much. And your timing was really good. And we have a little extra time on our hands these days. Yes, we do. (laughs) I wouldn't be here. So in the last 10 years, I moved to the Los Angeles area. Huge transformation. Ended an extremely long marriage and ventured out on my own and moved far, far away from where I lived and started a new life. And Wow. Searching for my truth. Let's just say continuing the search for my truth. So I'm currently an artist and photographer and I go out on tour with rock band. And, you know, typically we're out on tour right now. (laughs) So a very different summer for us. Anyway, when you spoke about truth in the beginning, it really hit me in the beginning because I think throughout my life that I was having children and doing everything and, and the most wonderful experience of my life was having my children and and being a mom extremely important to me and and I at that time I look back on it back then that was my truth and that was my sole reason to exist really so I didn't really think that there was any other truth to search for really but you know as you as they get older and they leave and you're sitting with your own thoughts and your own who am i feelings and starting to take those feelings instead of exploring those feelings, it was more about, I shouldn't be having these feelings. I should be living this perfect life because everything's so perfect. And my children are amazing and I shouldn't really be searching for anything. I, I should just I should, be happy. I should just be happy. So... There were times when it comes to my choice of substance in terms of how to medicate myself, it became food for what I figured was a really logical reason. I mean, I could still pick up a high schooler from a dance at midnight if I had had bowls of food, (laughs) but I couldn't if I had a few margaritas. So I was like, I think this is a good good thing. I'm going to do this. It's a really good point right there. (laughs) You could do your life if you did Yeah, I look back on it and I'm thinking that must have been the reason why I chose that over that. Exactly. In excess, I I will say. So over time, I realized that that is not good because I was really hurting myself. And that whole thing, in, in I think any recovery program, that first step of admitting the fact that something just not right, that has more control over me than I, I wish it did. And not even really realizing or thinking that there was a disorder as the one that I feel I have, which is emotional eating. And I wasn't a, a binger or a purger. I mean, a, I guess I was a binger, but I wasn't necessarily a purger, anything like that. And it's something that grew. But 
meeting you and all those women and talking every week about life and the fact that we're all worthy of having these feelings, worthy of happiness, really hit me deeply. And there's one meeting that speaks out specifically in my mind. The, the word that went around or that resonated in my head was the word enough. Ah, oh, I am enough. And I remember saying those words out loud and breaking down into tears. Yes, I remember and that. That was my tipping point for me. I remember driving home from that meeting in tears, saying those words to myself over and over and over again. I am enough. Wow. And, and that, that feeling that I had in that room when I said that, that energy in that room made me feel like I was enough. So going home and reminding myself of that was the beginning of my journey, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, it's so perfect that what we're talking about is truth because that's what you hit upon. A really deep grounding truth for you. Like, wow, you didn't know how that was going to change. What does that even mean? But it just really got right in there. And I feel like that's what's so beautiful about a recovery is that you get to get these really deep things that are the blueprint for your life from then on. It gave me permission. Really. Yeah. To think about the fact I have permission to feel worthiness. I have permission to actually start really, really seeking my truth. Yes. Because I had no idea what no. that was. I had no idea what that was. Right. How I was going to express it or, or how I was going to make the changes in order to get there. Yeah. Before that, and for many of us, it wasn't like you were in a dungeon chained to a wall or sitting inside and watching soap operas and eating bonbons, you know, you were living a full life. You had music in your life and you had kids in your life. I think I remember you had a really beautiful house and you were a good cook and you had done a lot of stuff already. So it's not like you were destitute or living in your car or anything. It was just more than the stuff. It was that you were enough. You yourself was enough. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Because the saying about, you know, it's not the things that matter. And it really, really, truly is not the things. Right. That's not what it is in terms of finding that inside of here. And I think as life goes on, we start to fill our lives with so many things and, and, and all that and thinking that that's it. But, oh, I could tell you it's not. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you it's not, it's not, it's not. Yeah. And I love the part about eating disorder or the work disorder, the relationship disorder, whatever we want to call it, the thing, the thing that we have in order to not feel these I am enough feelings is a very sweet part of us that comes up with that because it's scared that if you felt this, you might have to change and that's too scary or you might have to do something or you might feel a bad feeling and that would be too hard for you or whatever. So our eating disorders or our whatever disorders are really messages from our deepest soul 
I need something else. I need something. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's great. Great, great, great. The only thing that I felt was kind of listening to me, or, or it, it's interesting how food does give us comfort. And you mentioned about my cooking. At first, I was cooking like I was still cooking for an army. You know, I mean, yeah, I would, all these people. And I'm finding myself over the last couple of years is finding myself celebrating food in a different way. I used to feed and cook so that I can nourish others and create this feeling of home atmosphere and make sure all the kids that dropped by were happy and wanted to stay and wanted to hang out and have fun. Whereas now, and one of the exercises I remember us doing is now I'm way better at sitting and appreciating the process of where the food comes from, the taste, more about the history of what spices I'm using and, and things like that. And again, going back to the truth aspect, that is, again, finding something that interested me, you know, it, besides photography and all the other things. So I'm finding myself really enjoying cooking, which is, which is fun. Yeah, that's cool that you remember that. And that's such a good point that you said about finding out where things come from. One of the things I do when I go into schools with the peer educators and we're talking about food, which so many of young teens are afraid of food. They've been taught to don't eat that, don't eat that. That's not okay. You know, that food will kill you. They're really afraid of food. There's a whole other eating disorder called orthorexia, which really just means that People are afraid to eat because they're afraid that the food will hurt them. And then it becomes a really strong obsession. But one of the things that I do is let's take that food, whatever it is, and think about where did it come from? And so a long time ago, this food grew somewhere on the earth. And there was a person tending it. And then there was a person that got it and put it in a thing and then drove it somewhere, and then that person took it and did something, and then, then it drove to the store. And then your mom was at the store, your dad, and they picked it up, and then they brought it to you, and here it is. It went on a little journey, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a grateful for the breaking bread instead of, ah, I can't eat bread. <laughs> it's just a different way to be having to think about it that they're not getting a lot of the time so beautiful that you intuitively knew how to sort of start to do that for yourself. Well, that term good food and bad food really sat with me during some meetings too, because really good food and bad food, I look at food so differently now. And I know that there are things that make my body feel better. Uh, and that comes with practice. It really never, never was about the food in terms of I felt that I was doing my body a service or myself a service that if I was going to eat, I want it to be worth it in the way that if I do feel like a bowl of ice cream or if I do feel like it, I'm going to have it. I don't stop myself in that way, but I don't have it every day because I know that it'll give me a sugar headache. But I think the worst thing that we can do is to say we can't have it. And I'm vegan now, so I have found 
some extremely amazing, delicious food that I'm even preparing now in a way. And I enjoy it. I know it's not going away. I know I can make it again. And that's helped me a lot in in that whole freedom to go ahead. When I first moved here, my boyfriend and I went crazy having fries. I don't know why fries. I would never eat fries. Those are bad, you know? (laughs) I ate fries and then I got tired of them. And I rarely eat fries anymore. But the point I'm making is that I didn't make it a taboo. And I had a very similar thing is that I felt like there was a time when I ate a bunch of one kind of food and then I got kind of tired of that. And then it was another kind of food. It was like a white food and then a brown food and then a red (laughs) food. And then (laughs) and I allowed myself to do that, knowing that eventually I will not always have that, that it won't always be that way. I had years of deprivation to get over. Or even if I wasn't depriving in my head, I was saying that it was wrong. So I had years of just needing to have permission to just see what's what the truth of this body is right now at that age. Because now at my age, it's a lot different than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I cannot eat the stuff that I used to eat even 10 years ago. I have an older digestive system. <laughs> you know, I have an older taste. I have an older capacity for how much. And right. it just is what it is. And I have to be okay with that. So we grow and change. And I try to stay with myself as I grow and change and not to have any rigid rules about it. And we give ourselves good food, whatever that means to us. And your good food might not work for me at all or the next person, but it is your good food. Mm-hmm. Right. I try to keep to that. If something doesn't feel like it, it's at its prime, <laughs> or I'm thinking, I'm okay. <laughs> Even if it's something that I would typically be, oh, I can't wait to eat that, then, then I'm thinking, yeah, but if I'm going to eat that, I want it to be special because I, I feel like now I feel like I'm worth it. And you're I'm, special. Yeah. I can say that now. I feel that now, that I deserve to have something good. I was in Belgium a few years ago, and among other things, they are also known for their chocolate, right? Belgium chocolate. They also, I think, French fries come from Belgium. <laughs> Whether it comes I should have gone there a few years ago. <laughs> they, I mean, they are very good. So I ate a lot of chocolate and French fries until (laughs) I could hear very clearly my body say, this is enough of this. Let's eat something else. (laughs) So I was at this shop getting yet more chocolate and then just kind of looked across the street. It was a green cafe and it said green cafe. And I went, that's what I need. I need a green cafe. (laughs) And I just... (laughs) Put down my little chocolates, went across the street, and had a huge, big, giant green meal. And I was so happy. (laughs) Anyway. And I get teased for this a lot, teased by my kids, that the only thing that I will break in terms of being vegan is if you show me a really good piece of chocolate, I'm going to eat it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And I still is- have not come across a vegan chocolate that I love. And if anybody out there has one, by all means. It's so true. Some things don't shift over. <laughs> right, right. And some things I'm shocked at how much better they are. Yeah, it's so oh, true. Oh, it's amazing. So tell me how, whatever you want to say about this, of how you step into your truth and be so courageous to change your whole life around in order to do that. As you look back on it now and think, wow, that does make a lot of sense that I did that. But maybe at the time you didn't know if it did. I didn't know what was really going to happen or how it was all going to turn out. But I did know, and I'm one of the types of people that when I do make a decision and I get on that track, I tend to just go on that track and whatever I need to do to get there, I will. And that was one of those times for me. Once the decision to move and part ways in that relationship, in that marriage, I knew I was for sure ready to make that transition. I got into kind of a robotic mode in a way because I knew what I had to do. But what was huge for me in terms of getting myself through it is spending some very uncomfortable time alone. <sighs> I've been in a world where there were always people around, uh, whether a, an event or kids around, or I was rarely alone for a long period of time. I think doing that was huge and uncomfortable and lonely, very, very lonely, but the best thing that I could have ever done because it allowed me time to really even ask myself, what is my truth? What is it that makes me happy? What do I want to do? What am I going to do with my life? I knew I wanted to do something creative. I knew I needed to let a lot of creativity out in a lot of different ways. I didn't exactly know what it was going to be. I kind of did. I was already doing a lot of photography, but I didn't know what direction it was going to go. And I actually was setting my bar pretty, pretty low. And, and then opportunities ended up opening up for me over the last few years. But I knew I wanted to do something creative. But at the time, I was literally sitting still, sometimes in an apartment by myself, frozen. I didn't even know where to go, what to do or anything. But it took that time and that uncomfortableness and that self-talk and those <laughs> to really open things up for me. I think of that time as like a gestation. You were a little embryo inside of a <laughs> your little life, right? And kind of wrapped up in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the baby inside is not drawing pictures or taking photos or <laughs> just kind of being there, growing and changing and being. And that's what you were doing so, and sort of giving birth to yourself. I feel like there are aspects of keeping it to myself, though, that probably a little damaging for people around me. If I could do it over again in terms of my transition. Although, yeah, I feel because it was such a surprise to so many. And, and so I feel that Maybe if I had opened up to some people I was close with, although the people that I was very, very close to kind of knew and expected you know, me to be in transformation and it, they weren't surprised. Yeah, I think if there's a piece of advice, I would say that if there is a way to talk about it more, 
somebody really, really close that, that I, I would recommend that. <laughs> well, that is a good thing to be putting out into the world. It's like, think about this if you're going through this. But I also think that sometimes we don't have the self-knowledge to do that, that we're just where we are of like going within. I think of the story of Demeter and she had to go and Persephone. Persephone had to really go inside and go to these dark places, sort of like hell, inside of herself. Her mom was very worried and was going to stop the earth and all this stuff, this big myth of Persephone. But she had to do it. She had to go within and check it out. You know, there was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth outside of her, but she had to do it. And then once she was able to do that, she was able to then sort of navigate the outside and the inside better. But at that time, she just didn't have that, didn't have that knowledge or that language yet. So I think you were really working on such a deep level that you might not have even known what you were doing yet. Thank you for that. I think you just helped me let go of, of something really big. I sat with that for a long time. You're right. When you're going through something like this, you actually don't know you're going through it. No. It's like the fish says, what water? What, what do you mean I'm in water? They just are. You were in the water of self-transformation. I mean, you were dealing on levels that you... I don't know if a lot of us know that we're going to deal on that level or we probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> right. I guess there's a part of that that is, yeah, good that, you, that I didn't know what I was going through. It's that, it is that feeling of that kind of, I don't want to say robotic mode because that sounds like there weren't emotions and feelings inside, but you know, thank you for that. I, I suppose that's just how it had to happen. And It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So knowing that and knowing all that you've been through these last few years and what you did before, it all counts from the second you got on this plane, on this earth plane. But if you could think about this little Kim sitting in her bedroom and thinking about what is going to happen to me in my life, if you could have had you come in and say, wow, going to get real, what would you say to her? I would say to make sure to continue to check in with yourself and make sure that you're okay. The phrase that I remind my kids now who are adults, I'm constantly telling them that you can't pour from an empty cup. And I would tell that little girl, make sure your cup stays full. That's what I would tell her. And I would tell her that she's enough. Enough. And she has a cup and it's okay to be full. With your own cup. (laughs) Yeah. That's how we give others. That's how we can take care of others, but we got to take care of our own, fill our own cup. We do. We do. It's such a great way to say that. So I, is there anything else that you want to say that you feel like you still need to sort of get out into the world before we end? Just be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be nice to yourself. And that's okay. And, ah, I do have something. Mm -hmm. Remember that the word selfish is not a bad word. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) So true. It's that filling your cup. Thinking about your self-worth, thinking about your self-happiness, you're going to be a better person 
for the others around you. And I think that's what I'll, I'll leave it with. Yeah, I love that because I was taught that being selfish was just the worst. But I think through learning that what people called selfish was that I had a boundary <laughs> that they didn't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's happened to me. Somebody puts a boundary down and I'm thinking, that person is selfish. It's like, oh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you know, just because I don't like that they told me no, I make them wrong, you know? So anyway, it's a, it's a lifelong learning, isn't it? It is. So I wonder if you will read the last part of the card. I'd be happy to. Thank you, Lorelei. Today, I will practice listening to my own internal wisdom. When I start to become fearful, confused, insecure, self-critical, or find myself doing something I don't want to do, I will take a breath and I will ask myself, what is my truth? Mm. I just love that. I mean, what if we just gave every little girl and boy a little tattoo? (laughs) What is your truth? To remind them or the people around them kept saying, well, what's your truth about that? That would be such a a great thing. So I so appreciate you being here today and love seeing you and love seeing you on Facebook and your beautiful photos that you put up and just really admire your courage. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.